The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast on the Nick and Roy channel. Brought to you in part by BPC. It's the best Portuguese chicken in the Toronto area. BPC. Slinging chickens since 2010. And by DeMarlo Salon and Spa of Naples. Hair, nails, massage and skin care for more than 15 years at the Naples location. Did you ever wonder why we give a teacher an apple? What is blibber blubber? I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we go out of our way to scour the internet for information we really don't need. So thank you for joining us in Season 2 as we discover more Totally Useless Information on this episode of Totally Useless Information. It's everything you never needed to know by listening once a week. You get smarter than you think. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Well, thank you very much for joining us yet once again on this episode of the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Hi, Hi. y'all. Hi, (laughs) y'all. Y'all hungry? Hey, everybody. Come and get it. Your weekly sweet and savory facts with your five-star Michelin chefs of totally useless information, Nick and Roy. Come and get it! (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Food. How about onions and carrots? You like onions and carrots? I love them. (laughs) Well, the next time, the next time that you have rain in where you live in Florida and you get rain every once in a while, Mm. it is helpful if you smear some onions and carrots on your windshield in order to repel water. And you crash into a tree because you can't see anything. (laughs) Who the hell is doing this? Yeah, but you won't won't get uh, rain on your windshield. Yeah, who's doing this? Really, rubbing onions and... Why don't they just go, like, to to a restaurant and buy... Can I get a salad to throw on my windshield? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Put the one show wipers on. <laughs> you see, they take the cucumbers, stick them on their eyes while they're waiting for the windshield to defrost. Well, I'm gonna go and give my tease up right in the beginning. All right. But it starts with it's two things. First food ever consumed in space. Do you know what it was? No, I, I'm, I my guess would be tang, but I don't know if that's considered food. No, no it kind of makes sense, though. The first food ever consumed in space was applesauce. Again, nutritious, easy to put into a little squeezy bag, I guess, or whatever. And then it also comes out like a baby's diaper. But, you know, so that's probably the reason for, let's not give this guy a big heavy steak, okay? Because yeah, wouldn't want to fill up the space suit, you know? Here goes my teaser. And it had to do with apples, so I thought applesauce was a good segue. Um, you ever wonder why we give teachers apples? Well, because in the 16th and 18th century, teachers barely made enough money to live. 
well, some things never change. But so, so apples were given as a compensation, basically. The people, kids would bring apples because it was a common crop and a common food and it was nutritious and it was something the teachers could bring home and eat. So they gave apples and that stuck. And we should pay our teachers more money. <laughs> I'll give you my teaser as well. What is blibber blubber? Can you guess what that is? Blibber blubber was the first bubble gum formation. Ah, oh, makes sense. Developed in 1906 by Frank Fleer. However, the gum was never marketed because its texture resembled silly putty. It was brittle and sticky and produced sticky wet bubbles that splattered when burst instead of snapping back as the formula had too low surface tension and elasticity. It required rigorous rubbing alcohol and other solvents to remove the bubble gum from Jesus the face Christ. of the person who this burst the bubble. Come on. Meantime, this crazy bastard ends up probably, and I'm going to find out, starting the Fleer Baseball Guard Company. That's right. He's like, screw it. I, I tell you the truth, I'm ruining these kids' faces. So. But in 1928, after a number of unsuccessful tests of different formulas, Walter Deemer, an accountant and employee of Frank Fleer Company, improved the blibber blubber formulation by adding latex. Oh, great. <laughs> so what did he was, do? What did he do? Bring some of his wife's bras in and throw them into the blubba blubba mix? <laughs> right. No, it's basically maybe it was the first condom. Hey, are Probably, you get romantic? Yes. Yes. That's right. Why not? I brought my blubba blubba. It's safe, baby. It's safe. I'm wearing blubba blubba. It's like you're damn right it's safe. If that thing blows up, I'm going to need rubbing alcohol to get Oh, oh my God! Deemer, he colored his creation pink because it was the <laughs> only food coloring he had at the time. That match people's so, faces. <laughs> and because blibber blubber didn't really sell too well, they changed it to double bubble, double bubble. Oh my God! Double bubbles, oh. pink colors, set a tradition for nearly all bubble gums to follow. So thanks to Mr. Deemer and Mr. Fleer. Blibber Blubber became Double Bubble. Thank you, Mr. Fleer, for giving us a damn good laugh. Okay, so we come up with all this stuff because that was great. But now think about this one. This is yeah. going to get people like crazy. Cotton candy. Okay. Who do you think invented it? What do you think his profession was? Some clown. No, he was a dentist. <laughs> no. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. In 1897, he was a dentist. He partnered with a confection company and called it Fairy Floss. Yeah, get, <laughs> get ready now. Get ready. Get ready. It didn't really sell well. So this other dentist, two dentists, created a better machine in 1921, and he called it Cotton Candy. He was toying around with other names like Teeth Rotter. <laughs> but can you, can you believe this crap two dentists invented pure sugar to put onto your teeth <laughs> now i know what they mean when they say don't forget to floss that uh, is amazing those those were two really good ones <laughs> well how about this if you eat too many carrots can your skin turn orange 
It does. I know people that drink carrot juice and they've turned orange. Really? Do they call them bugs? No, no. But did you see the president of the United States hair? If you eat too many carrots and other foods that are high in beta carotene, they can cause a yellowish discoloration of the skin, according to the Dermatology Clinic. Discoloration is a condition called cartotonemia. Cartoanemia. Rubber, blubber, flubber. (laughs) Carotonemia. And it's most noticeable in the palms and the soles of your feet. Wow. Treatment for this discoloration is a change to a low beta carotene diet. Well, thank you very much for that. So if you eat too yeah, many carrots, you... <laughs> so... what's the cure? Stop eating carrots, moron. <laughs> Here's a piece of broccoli. <laughs> no. Son of a bitch comes back, he's green. <laughs> okay, olive oil has yes. been around for two thousand years. Not two thousand years. Two thousand years before Christ. Wow. Yes, it was five times more valuable than wine, and wine was super valuable. So it was five times more valuable than wine, or six times more valuable than wine if you drank the wine before that. (laughs) (laughs) I gave it a six times more. (laughs) Got any of that bubble flubber? The kitchen is now closed. Join us next time on the Totally Useless Information Podcast for more sweet and savory morsels of useless food information. See you real soon! On the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Okay, we need to take a breath here. My sides are just... too much eight. fun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you are too. And if you are, send us an email. Podcast at Outlook.com. Totally Useless Information Podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us on all of your various platforms. We've had a lot of shows. We're in season number two. I guess the season number one is history. It sure is. Today's history. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I guess every day is uh, history. Yeah. On the Totally Useless Information Podcast, a little bit of history. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to give you mine right off the bat here. Mm-hmm. Orville and Wilbur. The Wright brothers, this is an interesting fact. They only flew together one time. Oh. And the reason for that was because their parents said, you're going to kill yourselves in that damn thing. And they <laughs> promised their parents that they would never fly together so that if there was a crash, it wouldn't be a double tragedy. But, um, yeah, they, they promised their parents, Orville and Wilbur Wright, promised their parents that they wouldn't fly together because of that. Pretty cool. It is pretty smart. As we know, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated on April 14, 1865. If that wasn't bad enough, it could have been worse, believe it or not. He had invited General Grant and his wife, Julia, to join them. They didn't go. 
they did not go because General Grant's wife despised Mary Lincoln. And because of this, the Grants' lives were spared. Wow. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, I can kind of put a little bit of a, a damper on your thing here because John Wilkes Booth used a single-shot revolver. So he would have never had time to reload to kill other people other than maybe stabbing them or something. But he did have a single-shot revolver. Okay. Although on the same day, Seward, who was like the Secretary of State, he they tried to murder him in his house at the same time. And they beat the hell out of him with bats and stabbed him like 12 times. He falls down a flight of stairs. He makes it. The guy literally makes it. Yeah, yeah. So that's like an added thing to the story. But yeah, wow, that is amazing, though, that she hated Mary Lincoln. And she said, well, let's skip the show. I saw it anyway. It's got a bad ending. The butler did it. Holy mackerel. There is a 4,000-year-old Sumerian tablet, which was deciphered. Now, get this. This will give you an idea. 4,000 years ago, people were bitching. Okay, the Sumerian tablet was deciphered as a letter of complaint. <laughs> so this person must have been really pissed. They were like, break out the tablet and the chisels because I'm pissed. <laughs> he chiseled into name? stone. Yeah. <laughs> he chiseled into stone that this is really bad copper that you sold me and I want a refund. <laughs> so, the response was chiseled back please hold <laughs> your your chisel is important to us that's where the ipad was born no not that kind of tablet shakespeare you know bill shakespeare william shakespeare wrote his plays <laughs> billy boy yeah you know him he wrote his plays quickly and in fragments he would give the actors their lines on scraps of paper for them to memorize their lines the plays weren't published until after Shakespeare's death, of course, but the plays were published in the fragments they were found in, which is why nobody can understand Shakespeare. Oh, my God. So for all we know, scene two was probably scene three. That's right. There were the only a total thing that was for sure was the ones where they met and the ones where they died. We know what order that happened in. <laughs> Sometimes they died first. There were a total... <laughs> were a total of 36 plays although historians believe there might be two more so to be or not to be two more could be to be or not to be could be from another one <laughs> right wow okay I, this show this show again folks the people that listen to this show we always say that they tell other people stuff that they heard listen to this one Right before the fall of the Soviet Union, before the fall of the USSR in the 1980s, they had a television show, a TV contest in Russia. And listen to this one. Since not too many people, it was a call-in show, talent show, okay? And they had singers on the show, kind of like American Idol, right? <laughs> but because most people didn't have phones... They said, Vladimir says to turn your lights on if you like this guy. If you don't, keep your lights off. Now, listen, the people turned their lights on if they liked the singer. 
<laughs> and the power company was government run and they could tell by the spike in the in the electric used who the winner was <laughs> now how crazy is that and we're worried about these people <laughs> <laughs> they should have voted by chisel and tablet. Yeah. And the winner is Vladimir Putin. <laughs> it's yeah, funny. He didn't, he didn't He's sing. won for the 15th year in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Never happened before. So uh, my final history, bit of history in this segment on the Totally Useless Information podcast, chariot races were an Olympic sport. One time in Greece, and it's thought that the chariot drivers were the only athletes not to compete in the nude. Everyone yeah, else, that's a bitch. That nude. thing's jumping up and down. That's right. They were tunics. <laughs> were they tunics or eunuchs with tunics? <laughs> no, the one chariot was called Scro. The other one was Tum. Oh, Scro. <laughs> I guess every day is uh, history. A totally oh, useless information God. podcast. I'm Nick. And I don't know where we are. What are we doing now? We're talking about BPC, the best Portuguese chicken. Oh, man. I tell you, I am hungry. I am so hungry. And he brings up BPC. That's right. You can smell it. Can you not smell the delicious chicken, the delicious rotisserie chicken that they make fresh on the premises? They have specials on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They're located in the Toronto area, and I know you're saying, I don't listen. I'm not in the I'm Toronto, in Toronto area. area, but that's okay. When you visit, welcome. Welcome to Toronto. Listen, guys, go to BPC Chicken. This place is really amazing. I mean, their the food is really great. They have all kinds of amazing sides, like the traditional rice and potatoes, and they have vegan and vegetarian options as well. They have fresh salads. They have their own sauce. They're absolutely delicious. You go by there and you tell them that you heard it on the uh, Totally Useless Information podcast and uh, and they will treat you right. They'll treat everybody right. Try them out. 942 The Queensway. Give them a call. 416-255-7177. 416-255-7177. Or go to their website and please do not lick the screen. Bestpc.ca. The screen does no justice. The chicken's no, amazing. But you could see all kinds of my finger marks all over the screen because I just want to go there and grab the chicken. BBC <laughs> Toronto. Best Portuguese chicken. Slinging chickens since 2010. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. He equals nothing. It's science, science, science. Totally useless information podcast. If you'd like to know more information, if you want to suggest some science items or food items or, or any question that you have on, about our podcast, simply give us an email. Send us an email, tuipodcast at outlook.com. Science. Mm. Diesel fuel weighs more than gasoline. Why? A gallon of diesel fuel weighs around 7 pounds compared to 6.2 pounds for gasoline. It's a 10% difference. Diesel fuel has a higher energy density than gasoline, generating about 15% more BTUs on average. So that's why diesel engines are more efficient by design, leveraging that extra energy into, into a 30 to 35% efficiency improvement compared to a gas engine. Every time we get to science, Nick uses the big words. <laughs> 
Yeah, because <laughs> diesel fuel is heavier than gasoline. Now, this this one I got might be a food thing, but it's it's about Charles Darwin, and of course he is probably the best, one of the best known scientists, Einstein, yeah. and uh, Darwin. Um, but um, Darwin had this freaky obsession with eating crazy foods. He wanted to taste all kinds of crazy foods. So, it, like, you know, a salamander, I want to eat one. Um, a roach. Uh, I mean, this guy ate everything and anything on the planet that you could think of. It was like a quest for him. He was literally obsessed by it. So Darwin was a crazy food freak. He was the first bizarre food guy. Scientists and researchers say that they have mimicked the voice of a 3,000-year-old Egyptian mummy by recreating much of its vocal tract using medical scanners, 3D printing, and an electronic larynx. I could have fixed that for them in two seconds. All you do is stick an air compressor up the poop chute and hit it. Oh, oh how you're close you are close because i have some audio in a paper published no of scientific reports the authors say the technique that they used allowed them to produce a single sound somewhere is between this, the vowels is this the coolest show in the world folks we're gonna hear a mummy speak here we go sounds like he's uh doing something you know nasty He's trying to get out. Cleopatra. Come in the room, Cleopatra. <laughs> that eerie tone, not coming from Roy, is Ow. unlikely to be the precise reflection of a speech of an Egyptian priest, but whose mummified body the researchers have worked with. So the model alone isn't enough to synthesize the whole words or sentences, but it's enough for them to at least start. So they're trying oh my to read it's actually his his vocal cords built that's, rebuilt that's right oh that's I can, sick i can translate for you hold on i listen to the totally useless information podcast with nick and roy i bet you if they stuck the windpipe up his poop chute he'd speak all kinds of they probably sing dixie stuff you know ah, i wish i wasn't <laughs> wow you know what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Conundrum. But guess what? Scientists have concluded yes, that yes. they now know what came first. The chicken came first, not the egg. And this oh, is how they figured it out. Because the protein which makes the eggshell is produced by the mother hen. Just think about that now. So you had to have the chicken first because the eggshell was produced by the hen. Okay, so we know it was the chicken first. Now they're still trying to figure out why they want to cross the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, why do paper cuts hurt so much? You've had those paper cuts. Oh, my God, yes. It turns out that it's your nerve endings that are mainly to blame. We've got more pain receptors in the tips of our fingers than almost anywhere else in the body, which you might have already realized that if you ever try to pick up something very hot. So yes. a dermatologist, Haley Goldback from the University of California, told the BBC that it makes sense that we have a lot of those nerve endings. It's kind of a safety mechanism. But it's not only just those nerve endings. 
some blame also lies with the paper because the paper edges are not as smooth as they might appear from a distance and they can leave a rough trail of destruction on the skin rather than a good clean nick oh good clean nick hi nick okay um, listen scientists you're gonna love this one nick just yeah. simply because it has to do with urine Mm, of course it does. <laughs> Scientists has developed a way of charging your cellular phone by using, get ready, Nick, urine. That's right. <laughs> Scientists run urine through a microbial fuel cell. You say that one 10 times. Microbial sure. fuel cell. You run it through and you'll hear this noise. <laughs> <laughs> And create, listen, you keep doing that. This guy will have like, well, it'd be like totally useless information show with Nick Roy and the Pharaoh. <laughs> okay, so the scientists, I'll start it over again. Scientists run the urine through a microbial fuel cell. Okay. Okay. And it creates enough power to charge this scientist's Samsung cell phone. Okay. okay? Boy. With the people at Apple pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Hit it. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. A equals nothing. It's science, science, science. I'm the totally I'm gonna, useless. <laughs> I'm going to dream of that noise. Uh, uh. Hey, you know, I, I was looking around my desk here. It's quite messy. I apologize for that. What's in the mailbag today? Sent the letter anyway. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? On the totally useless information podcast, TUI podcast at Outlook.com is how you can get in touch with us. Like Jimmy did from Norway. Now we want to thank everyone. Just a, just a quick moment here before we get to the mailbag. We want to thank everyone. A big shout out to the global audience that new, that we now have: Spain and Norway and United Kingdom, Australia, and ah, Austria. Yeah. Yes, yes, folks, we are all over the world. I love this, Nick. I mean, Australia. We have literally now conquered the world. So me and Nick are now shooting the broadcast of our show into space. Okay, and. Now, in the year 2097, it will reach the next available universe, and um, <clears throat> we will then communicate with the aliens. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what we sent up there. <laughs> that's right. Just goes to show you that totally useless information is universal. It's yes, global. There are useless people all over the world. That's right. Like Jimmy. <laughs> From Norway, I'm sure Jimmy, you're a really nice guy, but have have you ever noticed how loud the music is in nightclubs and bars? What? What did you say? Loud? I found that I have to shout when I'm talking to the person across the table. Do you know why? Well, I found out why. It makes you drink faster and more. A study by your favorite French scientists. Okay. Oh, no. Yes. They're suggesting that loud music in a bar is good for its bottom line. They found that when the volume goes up, males drink faster and consume more. They have found that 
in the environmental music played in a bar associated with an increase in drinking. That's what this study showed. We need to encourage bar owners to play music at a more moderate level and make consumers aware that loud music can influence their alcohol consumption. <laughs> they leave the place. They're like, what? My keys? I'm not giving you my keys. Oh, my God. All right. Ben from Nevada. Ben sends this this thing where he he sent us a very long email. Ben, okay. um, it's a long email. Okay, so anyway, Ben's talking about some. He actually said that we had gotten a few things wrong, and he went through what he felt was the proper thing. Ben used a saying, a miss is as good as a mile. And okay. I thought that that was funny. So, Ben, for the sake of making it up to you, a miss is good as a mile. That saying dates back to the 1700s. And it was brought about because they said, if you miss by a foot or you miss by a mile, it still doesn't matter because you missed. So the saying oh, is, wow. a miss is as That's good as a cool. mile. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I thought so. So there you go, Ben. What's in the mail? On the Totally Useless Information Podcast, and we want to thank our sponsors, VPC, Best Portuguese Chicken, and Gamarlo. Oh, this is a little secret. Next week is Valentine's Day, and we're going to have the special Valentine's Day show. Yes, we're going to have the special show. You're going to love it. It's all about Valentine's Day. It's great. But listen. DeMarlo Salon and Spa. You can buy gift certificates at DeMarlo Salon and Spa for Valentine's Day. You can buy them for any amount. You can buy them for anything you want. So somebody can come in and get a massage, or they could get a facial, or they could get a pedicure or a manicure, or they could have their hair done. They could have their hair colored. They could come in and have a blowout. They could do anything they want in any dollar amount you want. DeMarlo gift certificates are the greatest Valentine's Day gift. You give it to somebody, they go, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then they go have a massage a few weeks later. They call you up and they go, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really, honestly, hair, skin care, massage, nails, DeMarlo Salon and Spa. They do it all. They do it great. Corner of Vanderbilt Beach Road and Collier Boulevard in Naples, Florida. Again, Vanderbilt Beach Road, Collier Boulevard, Naples, Florida. You can look them up on the web, demarlosalon.com, or give them a call, 239-793-2020. That's 239-793-2020. It makes the greatest Valentine's Day gift. It makes the greatest gift anytime, but Demarlo Salon and Spa. You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Did you know that the male seahorse gives birth? Oh, sure. No, I didn't know that. Male seahorses do something highly unusual in the animal kingdom. They get pregnant and they deliver their offspring. They produce up to 2,000 oh, babies. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Are they giving themselves a hoof job? <laughs> they produce <laughs> two. They just, they were... They started horsing around and they got pregnant. They produce <laughs> up to 2,000 babies at one time. Scientists do, they have don't to, do they have to pony up the money to give birth? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> they, 
never mind. The naysayers had something else to say. Uh, scientists don't have a clear reason why seahorses evolved this way, but they theorize that this is one of the ways seahorses try to help the species survive. Neither parent gets involved in the child rearing, though. So when the male <laughs> delivers the babies, they're on their own. Well, listen, let me tell you something. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the species surviving. It's got to do with the male surviving. They're brilliant. They figured out a way to get rid of the females. <laughs> they took them out of the whole equation. And then they turn around, and they go, squat the kids out, and they're on their own. <laughs> Thousand of them. Oh, my God. That's pretty interesting. This is a great show. We got a lot of interesting stuff on this show. Flies. And hummingbirds experience time in slow motion. Okay. What? So now let me let me just cue this up for you. They experience time in slow motion. So when we go, we roll up a newspaper and go to hit the fly, he sees the paper coming in slow motion and is able to get out of the way. We think they're super fast, but they're actually seeing everything in slow motion. They see things in slow motion, so they're able to avoid, you know, like somebody trying to swap them. How cool. How cool. It is. And so you have the uh, the fly doing play-by-play. -play. Let's see that attempt at hitting us in slow motion. But actually, the fly would probably be like, <laughs> if they could talk. But we know they hum in the key of F. That's right. They do. Uh, the clownfish, the clownfish are born male. According to the National Geographic, so it must be true. Huh. They can, however, turn themselves into females. But hold on, but be careful, you know, what you decide, because once the changes are made, do they do their hair and put a little makeup on? What do, what do they do? They're clownfish. Okay. They turn themselves into female, but once the change is made, they cannot go back to being male. Wow. So once they decide, that's it. According to some of the scientists, sometimes the change is made when mating. What? It so, falls off? No. It's, it starts off as a male, and then they turn themselves into a female. They can't go back, but sometimes this change is made while they're mating. It could so be let really, me get really... this straight. Let me get this straight. Yes. So they begin to have sex. Right. And then the male starts complaining about the sex, <laughs> which technically turns him into a female. <laughs> we don't cuddle enough. All right. <laughs> wow. 70% of all jungle animals rely on one thing. 70% rely on one thing to eat to survive. Do you know what that is? It's a fruit. Do you know what it is? No. A fig. Oh. Se so here's the tricky part. <laughs> here's the tricky part. The pig. Fig. Newton. No. Okay, listen. 70% of all jungle animals rely on figs to survive. Okay? Pretty cool. The early bird gets the worm. Now, I know that sounds like an expression, but birds do. The early bird does get the worm. And here's where that expression came from. But this is all has to do with birds. I know we're in the animal section. Mm -hmm. So, 
in the study, in a study, one group of birds received small doses of melatonin to change their body clocks, while another control group did not receive melatonin. Mm -hmm. And according to the scientists, they found that the birds that received the melatonin woke up slightly later than the birds who did not receive the melatonin. The results of the study showed that sleeping had its costs. The male birds that were asleep in the nest while their mate awoke later found themselves taking care of nestlings fathered by another early riser. So while the cat's away, the birds will play the North American Appalachian wood frog. Has two things going on. Number one, a very, very long name. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, during the winter, he literally freezes solid. Okay? Then in the spring, he thaws out like nothing happened and just goes hopping away. So he literally hops into place, freezes to death, then thaws out, comes back to life, perfectly healthy and alive the wood frog north american appalachian wood frog or aka lazarus frog i'm going to call him because that's pretty cool well pretty cold in his case wow the show flew by Really fun episode, a lot of great stuff, but that's all the time we have for this episode. We'll see you again next week. We know that you're psyched and listening all around the world. Thank you so, so much. We'll have more for you next time, we promise. So in the meantime, as we always say, tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. 